We are uh, in week four of a uh, five-week series, so we've been dealing with the subject of uh, From This Day Forward. That's the title of the, the message, uh, the title of the series, I'm sorry. And uh, <clears throat> this comes from a book that Pastor Craig Rochelle wrote, and uh, what we are doing, the book is entitled From This Day Forward. Uh, what we are doing is that we're taking a bunch of stuff from the book, as well as some others that we would be taking, and certainly with my contribution as well. And uh, I decided last week, if you were here last week, I, we were talking about purity, and uh, I, I decided last week as I was going into this message, especially on Sunday when I began, that there was just no way I was going to be able to cover everything that I really wanted to cover in that particular message. So I knew today that I was going to do part two of last week. So I'm deviating just a little bit from the original uh, outline that we had, uh, but I trust that this is going to bless you. Uh, God used it in the first service. I trust he'll use it again in the second service. Uh, let's pray. Father, as we go into this word together, I'm asking for your grace, asking for your wisdom, Lord. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying these days. Help us with all these things. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I, want, uh, I decided last week, I announced this both services so that you would be prepared, but uh, I have decided to take it upon myself to teach you on how to have an affair. How to have an affair. Uh, that's right. We're going to be leaving out of here in just a little bit, and uh, today you, are, you will have learned how, by your pastor how to have an affair. So let me give you my credentials why I'm even doing this. How, how can I possibly be able to do something like this. Well, let me give you a little bit of my background. In 1980, this church was founded. We're one of the founding families of the church, and uh, I was the first youth leader of this church, and so I began as youth leader. Uh, after about four years of study, I ended up getting my uh, credentials with the Assemblies of God. In 1984, uh, I was credentialed with the Assemblies of God. I was ready to continue to move forward in public ministry. So it's been 34 years 34 years of public ministry. And I've talked to many, many couples and individuals who've had affairs. I've been involved with many different lives. I've confronted men who are in, in, a, in an adulterous relationship or women who are in the same thing or those who have gone through that kind of situation within their lives. I've confronted them. I've even picked up some of the pieces of the broken hearts and homes and lives of those who have experienced infidelity, who have experienced affairs that have taken place. So I look at myself really as kind of an expert. I mean, you may not look at me in it, but I sort of look at myself as kind of an ex expert on that subject. Uh, I will admit to you, I've never had an affair. My amazing, beautiful wife, Marianne, she has never had an affair. But with all the years, 34 years, I mean, talking with hundreds of people, dealing with Countless people who have, I, I really don't remember how many I've dealt with with the area of, of, of affairs, but it's many. And you know, when you're 62, just about 63 years old, you get a bit of amnesia and you just don't remember all that stuff anyhow. But anyhow, moving forward, um, you know, we've, we've been able to figure out how, effectively figure out how to have an affair. So that's what we're talking about. Now, there's one thing for sure. One thing for sure, no one wakes up on any given day and simply says, today I'm going to break the seventh commandment and I've decided I'm going to have an affair. It normally is not that easy. Although the path of promiscuity is rather predictable and rather systematic, it, it, it's a little bit more work to that than, than what I'm just saying right now. There's even a lot of thought that you've got to put into that. But don't worry because I've done the homework. 
I'm presenting to you how to have an affair. If you should be enticed to do that, I'm going to give you the lowdown, and I'm serious. I'm really going to be giving this to you today. I want to also say this to you. No need to worry. Should you be one that I've met with and dealt with, I'm not going to tell your secrets. I'm not going to talk about you. I have never done such a thing like that. I will never do that, and I will never betray any confidence that would come my way. But what I will do, I'm going to talk to you about uh, what I have learned for those of you interested in having, having an affair. So here we go. Are you ready for this? How to have an affair 101. Here we go. Step number one. Convince yourself that it cannot happen to your marriage. Convince yourself that it cannot happen to your marriage. That's the first thing that you have to do if you're going to have an affair. Keep saying that to yourself over and over and over again. I will not have an affair. There's no way I'll ever end up in the bed of another woman or of another man. There's no way, no way I'm ever going to do that. I'm telling you again, say it over and over and over again. I will not have an affair. There's no way I'll ever end up in the bed of, a, of another woman or man. And there is no way, no way I'm ever going to do this. Because that's, if you do that, what that will help you to do is, is it will help you to put your, your marriage on cruise control. You can just put it on cruise control. And that will help you to become very apathetic. In other words, you're going to be indifferent about everything. You're, you're going to be uninterested in whatever may be taking place. And secondly, it's going to make you very predictable. In other words, you will be uninspiring and you're going to be a rather boring dude. A rather boring gal, no matter who you would be with that. And you're going to probably, after that, just sort of like crank out a couple kids. You know, maybe dad or mom is going to pursue their career. Uh, maybe the focus of life for the one who's not pursuing the career is going to be all about the kids. They're going to be so caught up into the kids. And if and when you get to that place, then where you are now is that you have, you have now entered into marital drift. Marital drift is now happening. And when you have marital drift happening within you, and you keep saying to yourself, it's not going to happen to us. Pastor, it's not going to happen to us. We're not going to have an affair. Guess what, my friend? Congrats. You are successful right now. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time that you're going to have that affair. It's just a matter of time you're going to wake up in a bed that you never planned on ever sleeping in. It will happen. Just keep saying, number one, keep saying it isn't going to happen to us. Number one. Number two. Point number two. Pretty good stuff, isn't it? Here we go. Point number two. Why are you all looking at me so seriously? You're really scaring me. You're giving me a little bit of intimidation while I'm up here trying to teach you how to have an affair. I'm serious now. Come on, let's go a little bit deeper. Number two. This is a really good one. Number two. Step number two is cultivate a relationship with a third person. Cultivate a relationship with the third person. Now, come on. Let's be real here. All of us in this room are either... Men or women, I mean, we're one or the other. You're either a man or you're a woman. Am I going too fast with this point? Let me back up. Let me go back again. Step number two is cultivate a relationship with a third party. In other words, come on, man. We are all men and women in this room. And the truth of the matter is, and we're all sexual creatures. And it's, we're, we're going to be attracted 
to the opposite sex. That's just the way it's going to be. You and I will be attracted to the opposite sex. And we all know that when you get married, you can't turn the button off as far as being attracted to other women or other men. You just can't do that. We're going to be attracted to the opposite sex. That's just the way it goes. So, when you click with someone at work, when you click with someone at school or, or in the neighborhood or maybe someone at the gym or maybe even the, the health club or maybe even with a friend, if when you click with them, you don't click with them and say, see you later. No, 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 no. That's not the way to move toward an affair. You don't do it that way. What you do is that you cultivate, cultivate, develop that relationship. You talk to them. You talk to them and, and you get to know them a little bit better. You begin to think thoughts like, man, we clicked already. The pastor was right. Thank you very much. Yeah, he was right. Uh, and, and, and now you begin to think some thoughts. What would it be like? What would it be like to just spend some time with that person alone? The guy, the gal that we've, connect, we've clicked with. What would it be like to be with them alone? What would it be like? And, and then we, you're thinking those thoughts and... And, and you're cultivating that relationship, and you begin to entertain more thoughts. The thoughts get deeper. You go a little bit farther. What would it be like to hug her or to hold him? Now, listen, wait a minute. The truth of the matter is it, we are supposed to do that, and, and it's not that bad of a thing. I mean, you find in the Bible, the Bible says greet one another with a holy kiss. It talks about that kind of embrace. It's a Christian thing to do. So it's not that bad of a deal to just hug someone, but you can't stop there. Remember now, I'm teaching you on how to have an affair. Another step that you should probably do at this point right now, and that is start flirting. Start flirting with that, with that particular person and just see how he responds to that. Come on, try it. Do something like this. Go like, you are so strong. <laughs> he liked that. He liked what I just said. He liked that. He, wow, this is great. And it's time now to start dropping some hints. I think maybe you ought to walk up to that particular individual who you've clicked with. And you would say something like this, man, if I was single, woo, it would be great. Or, or another thing you could say is, man, your husband is a real lucky guy to have you. That's another good idea that you can do. Good stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, now, now you begin to go deeper. Go deeper into your fantasy world. What would it be like to go to bed with him? What would it be like to go to bed with her? What would that look like? That's right, sexual intimacy. After all, that's where we're going. Ultimately, that's where the win really is in adultery. That's where we want to go. That's where the affair goes. So get all caught up with that in your mind. Try to imagine how it would be to be in bed with him, to be in bed with her. Get all caught up with that. And just think about that more and more and more. And all of a sudden, as you're thinking about these things, visions of romantic dinners enter your mind and, and sneaking out of town, doing a business trip. Yeah, come on. Doing a business trip, a Caribbean cruise. Throw into the mix some... Uh, some uh, a romance novel and some really good R-rated movies with a little bit of soft porn in the midst of that. I'm telling you, it's going to move things forward. Guess what? You are on your way to be having 
and a fair. And I congratulate you. You're doing an excellent job playing this out in your mind, cultivating that particular relationship. You're doing a great job. Look at you. Look at what you're doing. You clicked with that person. You've begun to develop a relationship. You're striking up all kinds of conversations and thoughts in your mind. And both of you are responding to the flirting. This is great stuff. Number three. Number three to me could be the deal breaker. Number three is compare your spouse to the third party. Mm-hmm. Compare your spouse to that other person, that other party. This is a, this is a big one. Compare their looks. Compare their, the way that they walk, the way that they talk. Compare their physique. Compare their, their uh, uh, reactions to uh, issues and challenges. You know, um, maybe another thing is, listen how they laugh. Listen how they laugh. Listen, uh, take a look at their personality with what they do and how they do things. Just compare that third party with your spouse and let your mind just go hog wild, my friend. Just let it go. This is good stuff, isn't it? I don't even think Oprah knows what I'm talking about. She doesn't have any. And I also believe that more than likely Dr. Phil would sit back and say, Randy, good job. Yeah, you nailed it, buddy. You did a good job. Listen, all I'm doing is I'm telling you experiences as a pastor. This works. And I'm telling you, these are things that were taught to me. These were things that were told to me by those who have been involved with, with affairs, different things that have happened. And step number four is the ultimate. Four steps. And step number four is the ultimate. Step number four is have sex with them. That's right, man. Connect sexually with them. That's where you want to go anyhow. That's what you've been thinking about. That's what's been mentally and emotionally taking place within you for a long time now. And now it's time to go all the way. Have sexual intercourse with that person. This is the ultimate. This is where you wanted to go. The thrill of it all. It's now official if you do that. You have had an affair. Yeah! You did it! Congratulations! You did it! The thrill of it all, the ecstasy, the pleasure, the fun. Yes! You've done it. You have had an affair. And now the next logical step. The next logical step is to pour yourself now a cocktail. Yeah. Pour yourself a cocktail of compromise. In fact, you may even need two cocktails of compromise because you're going to need that much to at least numb the pain and the guilt and the shame. And after you've been receiving those cocktails, after you've drank that, then I suggest you begin to lie to yourself. Begin to lie to yourself and say things like this. This will help you. I'm trying to help you with your affair. Say something like this. We all know now that I've married the wrong person. This chick here, she's the one. This guy here, he's the one. Or maybe another thing that you may want to say is that, listen, I didn't really love her, love her when I said yes. I mean, I didn't really, really love her. I just loved her. Or maybe another thing is, this one's a real good one. Try this one because this will make you feel a little bit more spiritual too. The third thing you should say is besides... God wants me to be happy, doesn't he? 
I mean, the whole thing is, is that I should be happy. And I wasn't happy with him. I wasn't happy with her. Now I'm happy with this person. God wants me to be happy. And I'm here to say, if you, if you would lie to yourself over and over those words, you're going to feel a little bit better. You're going to think that maybe you're telling yourself the truth when you're lying right through your teeth and you know. But anyhow, you're, 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 you're going to feel a little bit better. And oh yeah, there's one more thing that I think you may want to say. You ought to say something like this. Besides, God is a forgiving God. And I know he's going to forgive me. Mm-hmm. He's going to forgive me. Well, you know what, you jerk? You're right. You're right. He will forgive you. Because the God that you and I serve, no matter what the sin is, and I'm here to tell you in all honesty, no matter what the sin is, if we ask God to forgive us, he will forgive us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the Bible says. And there just may be people who would dare to put all the coin in that one corner that I'm going to do what I want to do knowing that I'm going to be forgiven regardless, regardless. And there's scripture that does speak against that, and that's not where I'm going today. But it is, it is a reality. Okay, so I told you how to have an affair. I told you how to do it. I mean, all the pleasure that's in this, all of the fun, all of the passion, the ecstasy, the excitement, the sneaking around, the business trips that you would be taking, all of those secret thing, things that you have been doing, it's really pretty cool. It's really pretty great. Really. You really think that? Let me read you a letter. Don't worry, it's not yours. Dear Pastor, our marriage was not perfect, but it was ours, and it was all that we knew. He was my best friend, and I trusted him totally. There were signs. I didn't ignore them, but, but I became suspicious and very observant. I finally got up the nerve and asked him point blank, face to face, are you and your coworker having an affair? And my husband, my best friend for many years of my life, looked me straight in the eye, and he lied. There were times when I knew that he was talking with her on the phone. Many times I would put my hand on the receiver by the bed and consider picking it up and listening. And then I would know for certain. No more speculating, but I couldn't do it. Because if it were true, it would hurt too much. And what would I do? Finally, my suspicions were replaced with facts. My thoughts and actions spur, spurred out of the control. I became obsessed with the lies, the details of the affair, and the events that led to it. I kept trying to put uh, all the puzzle pieces back together. I was, uh, take, uh, I was uh, taken over by obsession. Images of my husband and his lover would flash through my mind day and night. I constantly awoke with, with dreams of him, her in, him and her in bed together. I would play, it would play over and over again. I stopped feeling positive about myself and about my life. It was all negative. I was. I was jealous. I was enraged. I had diminished. I'm now bitter, frightened, lonely, ugly, mistrustful, exposed. His deception blinded me from from how I see myself, and I started doubting and questioning everything about myself. I thought it must be just me. 
It must have, I must have been the one that caused this to happen. And now I need to change myself. I felt the fate of our marriage was all in my hands. Is that what you want? Is that what you've signed up for in your married life? Is that what you were looking for with all of this? I've met with men and women, men and women who have faced adultery, who had dealt with adultery, and every single right thinking, every single right thinking man and woman that I have sat down and talked to about all of this have said to me, I just wish I could go back. I just wish I could go back in time. I wish I could reverse this whole thing. So much pain, so much regret, so much shame and guilt. The, promise, the process of promiscuity is painful and it's methodical, but, but, listen to me, the process of having a true love affair with your spouse, hear me, hear me, it is also methodical, but it's not painful. It's not painful to have a love affair with your own husband, with your own wife. There's no pain to that. In fact, it's wonderful. It's awesome. I mean, it is really awesome to do it the right way. Come on, give the Lord. If you're going to clap, let's give the Lord a round of applause for the truth. Go with me to John 8, Jesus is speaking here. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is talking about the evil one. The process of having an affair. It is full of lies. It is full of lies. It is full of half-truths and deceptions. And the kicker is, the evil one takes people, everyday people, and takes them down the same path over and over and over again. 57% of men admit to infidelity. 54% of women admit to infidelity. So let's just take this process right now and let's reverse it. Let me try to give you a positive spin with where it is that we're going with all of this. So if you will allow me, I would now like to talk to you about having a love affair with your spouse, with your husband, with your wife. And this is how it begins. This is what it looks like. And there are some similarities with the first part of the message. Number one, convince yourself that it can happen to you and your marriage. Convince yourself that it can happen to you. It can happen to you with a third party. You can end up in the wrong bed. I can end up in the wrong bed. I don't care how old you are. Honestly, I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you may be. I don't care how long you've been married, whether it's one year or 55 years. I don't care if you are a pastor, if you're an elder, a trustee, or a ministry leader. I don't care if you own your own business. I don't care if you're blue collar, white collar, or a stay-at-home mom or dad. It can happen to you. Come on, pastor, be a little bit more positive, okay? I am positive. It can happen to you. Give me an amen. amen. It can happen to you. Think about David. What do we know about David? The first thing that God says, introducing David to us in 1 Samuel chapter 17, is something like this. Here is David. He is a man after my own heart. 
Here is David. He's a man after God's own heart. I don't know of anyone, if anyone has ever been as much in love, as much in faith, filled service to God than David. I don't know if anyone has ever done it. It's one of my goals to be like David. You know I love David if you've been attending Word of Life any length of time. I love this guy. I'm respecting him. But let me tell you something about David. It happened to David. David had an affair. Remember this woman by the name of Bathsheba having a bath on the roof of a castle. And not only did he have an affair with her, but he also made sure that this woman's husband would be killed in battle. So he not only was an adulterous, but, adulterer, but he was also a murderer. He made sure that her husband would, would die. And I'm here to tell you, man, you can be as spiritual as you want to be. You can tell me that nothing like this will ever happen to you because you have so much faith. Hogwash. I don't believe you. You're not telling the truth. You're believing a deception of hell. I will say this to you, though. And that is, when, when if you and I are thinking, if David can do it, then more than likely you and I will end up doing the same thing. You and I are more than likely of doing the same thing. David was a man after God's own heart, and the same thing could happen to you and I. The right person at the right place at the right time, you are not untouchable with this. Not one of you, not any single one of you are untouchable with this. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter, chapter 17, Jeremiah 17. Verse 9, and it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who, who can know it? The Bible is telling us something like this, and I mentioned this last week. Do not allow your feelings, your feelings uh, lead you because your feelings are going to lie to you every time. The heart, the Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things. What you and I are not to be following are our feelings. We're not to be feeling like my heart is just telling me to move toward him, to move toward her. It is a lie. It is a deception. You and I are not to do that. We are to base our life on the truth of God's word. We take him at his word. If he says don't do it, then we don't do it. If he says flee, we flee. If he says run, we run. Come on, somebody give me an amen to that. That's great preaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 Go with me there. Let me ask you a question. Does it say, the beginning of that verse, does it say, if you are tempted? Does it say, maybe sometimes you might be tempted? No, here's what it says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, the word of God says, when, when you are tempted. Not if, when. I don't care how old or young you are. When you are tempted. You and I are going to be tempted. We will all face temptation. Marianne and I, we are going to Hawaii this fall. We're going there because it's our 45th wedding anniversary, and we love Hawaii. It is worth the 1,000 hours of flying and the $10 million it costs to go to Hawaii. I'm exaggerating a lot, but it is worth every bit of that. We're going to Hawaii, and guess what? Guess what? what's going to be in Hawaii? There, are, there is going to be beautiful women. There's going to be beautiful women in Hawaii. And there's also going to be some extremely good-looking, bald-headed men. Can anyone say temptations? That's what's going to be taking place in Hawaii. When you're tempted, the attraction is not the sin. Did you hear what I said? 
The attraction is not the sin. We will be attracted to members of the opposite sex. It happens to you. Don't you dare deny it because you're lying through your teeth. You and I are attracted to men and women of the opposite sex. We will be drawn to them. We will be tempted to move toward them. But the Bible says the, the, the attraction is not the sin. In fact, not in your notes, but let me read to you Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says, for we, uh, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He understands when we're tempted. He understands the temptation. Empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one, capital O-N-E, we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. So we find within the word of God, the sin is what you do with the attraction. It's when the attraction segues into that slippery slope that we talked about last week in dealing with purity. And you begin to paint a picture within your mind and begin to lust after that person that you're looking at. You begin to lust, and that's when your mind and your emotions begin to go crazy within you, and you begin to calculate and make things happen, and then you end up leading to sin. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 22, I said to my men, I want you to read Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 for the month, uh, once a week for the month of, uh, what are we in, March, for the month of March. But here's what Proverbs 7, 22 says. When we are moving toward an adulterous affair, it says this. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. When you and I have lustful thoughts and we begin to move on that and feed that a little bit and get excited about it, we are moving. The Bible says, not Randy Chiz, the Bible says, we're moving like, a like a, a, an ox to slaughter. Like a deer that would be caught in a noose and would have his head chopped off and be made for food. So we need to realize that what the word of God is telling us is absolutely true. So what about singles, some may think. We have a bunch of singles here at Word of Life. Maybe what about them? Where are they at with all of this? Well, do you realize if you're a single or single again, do you realize that if you're involved with premarital sex that you are committing adultery against God? You are committing adultery. Now, I know that the world is 100% involved with, not 100%, probably 98%. Most of the world is involved with premarital sex. I said the rest of the world is, but we're not the world. We're the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And things are different for us. Amen. I'm not telling you this is easy. <laughs> oh, no. I'm telling you that we are to be doing this differently. So should you be unmarried, involved with premarital sex, you are committing adultery before God, number one, you are committing adultery against your future spouse, number two. And number three, you are setting yourself up to commit adultery after you walk down that aisle and would say yes to her and say yes to him. It is a known fact. There is greater temptation if you've been involved with premarital sex that you will end up having an affair. To our singles, this message is as much for you as it is for the rest of us here. Jesus says, be wise as serpents and be as harmless as doves. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, be alert and be sober of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Church, the Bible tells us we've got to be wise. This is more than just flesh. This is more than just emotions and feelings. This is a work of hell. You need to realize he's out there seeking whom he may devour. We need to be 
thinking uh, smart. We need to be aware. We need to have wisdom and truth coming into our life, which is why I'm doing this. I'm teaching this with you and being with you in this because we all need it. Randy Chiz needs it. You need it. We need this together. Somebody give me an amen. amen. The truth is, is if I'm going to have to uh, have a love affair with my wife, with Marianne, of course, and we do, then we both have to admit to ourselves that this could happen to us. We could end up doing the same thing, having an affair. Point number two. Point number two is cultivate your relationship with your spouse. Cultivate your relationship with your spouse. You need to develop that relationship. The Bible says flee. It says run from sexual immorality. Flee from cultivating a relationship with a third person, third party. And then when it, when it all falls apart, you see, it's right there when it all falls apart. When you start sharing intimate things with that person of the opposite sex, whether at work, no matter who they may be. Uh, when you start sharing things and how you're feeling with this and how you're feeling with that, you shouldn't be talking like that to people that you really are not involved with in, a, in, a, in an intimate way, in a, in a close way, tight-knit way. So whether you're at work or gym or uh, a neighbor, maybe somebody at school or even a friend, yeah, that's happened many times, maybe even with a friend, keep it on the surface. Don't go deep with them when you're talking. Don't go deep. In fact, um, uh, cultivating a relationship with the, uh, with the third person uh, who's of the opposite sex is probably extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. So to all of my husbands, to all of my wives that are listening to this message today, should you hear your spouse, should you hear them talking uh, on a regular basis, talking a deeper talk than what you are comfortable with, I'm telling you as your pastor, confront that, that spouse of yours. Ask that person point blank, are you attracted to him? Are you attracted to her? Because you're out there to protect your marriage. It's not because you're doing everything wrong that he is looking. It's a temptation or something evil that's taking place. And he's as vulnerable as I am. And you're as vulnerable as I am to be able to go down that road. But if you confront it, more than likely you can save it. Because it can happen to you. And if you are talking about someone, always talk about the spouse, your spouse, in a positive light. Ephesians 5.3 says these words. Not even a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint of in sexual immorality when you're talking to somebody. When you're doing that. Let me remind you. God is pro-sex. It was his idea. And all the people said. God is pro-sex. It was his idea. He created us to have sex in the confines of marriage. One man and one woman together. A husband and his wife. We are to cultivate our relationship. And I'm sure that there are a bunch of people probably thinking right now, well, PR, Pastor, you, you and Marianne, you've been married 44 years. You've been together for 44 years. You're Christians. You're Christ followers. I'm sure you have no worries whatsoever. Oh, really? I hate to rain on your parade right now, but the truth of the matter is it doesn't work like that. You don't just get to put it in neutral and just hope you're going to make it to the end. The fact of the matter is, is that it's not that. It's not a natural thing to do to follow this. The natural thing to do is what I want to do. What my flesh wants. It's all about me is what it is. Listen to me. My wife, Marianne, if you haven't met her, she is incredible. She's an amazing, incredible woman. And I love her with all of my heart. Honestly, honestly, and I'm being honest with you. 
I'm the jerk. I'm the jerk of the house. I am self-centered like you wouldn't believe. Life is about me like you wouldn't believe. Look at the toys I have. And look at the toys my wife has. <laughs> that will speak volumes. Let's move on. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> I say things I shouldn't say. I do things I shouldn't do. And sometimes Marianne does the exact same thing. Sometimes she says things she shouldn't say. And she does things that she shouldn't do. Not nearly as much as I do. But we both have that problem. And you and your spouse have that same problem. We both have to work at our marriage. We have been working at our marriage for 44 glorious years. <laughs> and I'm telling the truth. I mean that. We both have to work out our marriage. And sometimes we have to be very intentional with one another. I mean, we have to go deep sometimes. We, and this is a deep one. Let me just share it with you. Marianne will be very intentional saying to me, about three times a week, you're not listening to me. You got your mind somewhere else. You're not listening to me. And then I have to be very intentional at that particular moment. And then I have to sit there and try to figure out, what did she just say to me now? <laughs> I don't get it. I, maybe I'm not listening. I don't, I don't know. Listen, Marianne and I, we've been on the mountaintops and we've been in the deepest of valleys. But we have worked hard at our marriage. You can't ever stop doing that. You always will be working. I am so grateful for the wife that God has given me. What a great gift. She is incredible. She's an incredible wife. She is my babe. She is my, she is my woman. She is beautiful. She is sexy. If my kids were here right now, they would say, Dad, just shut up and go on. Listen, I'm telling you, she is my everything. She is my everything in this life. And I love her. She's a great mother. Unbelievable mother. An unbelievable mother who went through the greatest tragedy any mother could go through. Seeing a son or a daughter in a casket. An amazing woman. A great, wonderful grandmother as well. And she's an amazing first lady of Word of Life Assembly of God Church as far as I'm concerned as well. I'm going to close off this message the same way that I did uh, the other message. The same way that I did the uh, message last week, I'm going to close it off the, ex the exact same way. Listen to me, please, as your pastor. Do not commit adultery with a third person. Do not do that. There is nothing good at all that's going to come from that. Do not do that. If you're going to have an affair, have an affair with your spouse. There's a reason why. There's a reason why you married him or her in the first place. There's a reason why you said yes to him or her seven years ago, 37 years ago, or 67 years ago. Whatever that reason was, why you said yes, keep it alive. Keep that thing alive. Now, what you don't know about Marianne is that she was the hottie toddy of, of the school, my high school. She, she and I are high school sweethearts. She chased me everywhere. But anyhow, the truth of the matter is, I remember shortly after we got married, I made this statement. I married Marianne Bidwell. I married Marianne Bidwell. All the other dudes, all the other guys who thought she was hot and all that, I don't care what you, I got her. She's mine. I got her. Another thing that I would say with Marianne, I would say to her, and especially when we were doing, dealing with a lot of spiritual warfare and a lot of things coming against us, and I become frustrated, and I'm a monster sometimes, and, and I, I will look at her in the eyes, and probably with a tear or two stro strolling down both of our cheeks, and I would say this, that promise I made to you on November 
Um, what day was that? On, on, on November 16, 1973, I'm going to fulfill that. I promise you, I'm going to fulfill that. I'm never walking out of this house. I'm never walking away from this marriage. I'm never going to go. I promise you, I'm going to do what I promised you I would do. I don't know what you said. I don't know what you've done. But there was a reason why you said yes. There was a reason why you walked down the aisle. And rekindle that. Keep that going. That's part of the affair of what you should be doing. If you know that she loves chocolate chip ice cream like my wife does, then you take her out for chocolate chip ice cream whenever she wants it. Whatever she, in fact, surprise her every now and then. That's when it's going to be really good for her. Whatever those things are, you keep that fire burning inside of them. You need to do that. So when you're feeling tempted, three points, and I leave out of here. Number one, manage your mind. Manage your mind. This is a, there is a spiritual component to all of this. In 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, pulling down the strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. These thoughts that we deal with, that we're going to go this way or that way with that, we need to manage our mind we need to be a people that are going to understand, wait a minute, this is coming right from hell. This is coming right from the pits of darkness. Don't follow after that. Manage your mind. Be someone who would be able to bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ is what the Bible says. In Psalm 103, verse, Psalm 101, verse 3, it says these words, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. Third scripture is Job chapter 31, verse 1. He says, I have made, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully after a young woman. Because of the uh, plethora of uh, uh, impurities that our nation has, no matter where you go, no matter where you are, there are all kinds of vile things that stimulate our minds. So I say to every teenager, every young adult, every married or single person that's in this room, daily... Daily monitor your eye gate. Daily honor, uh, uh, monitor your ear gate and your media intake gate. Daily monitor that. Can I say to you, listen, I don't believe, I don't believe in one night stands. I don't believe it happens that way ever is what I think. Can I say this to you? I don't believe in this because, no, I believe, I believe that you have, you have had this on your mind for a long time. You saw her at the gym. You saw him at work. You, wherever, whoever that person may be. And you began to have these thoughts. And you began to entertain these kind of things. And you made the move. You made this. It wasn't a one-night stand. There were things. Your eye gate. Your ear gate. What you've been watching. What you've been seeing on TV, on the internet. All contributed. All contributed to that one-night stand. And I challenge you with that. PR, Pastor, are you that vulnerable yourself that you would, I'll say this much. Probably 98%, 99%, no, I'm not. I'm not that vulnerable. Thank God he's, he's helped me through that. But the truth of the matter is we're all just one step away from stupid. We're just one step away from stupid. And Randy Chiz, it would just take one time and my whole life changes. I shared with you last week, my superintendent of our network is in this room right now, Dwayne Durst, who spoke a couple weeks ago. If I did that one event, you would never see me again. He would take this microphone and tell you what I've done 
and I'm out of here. Which takes us to the second point, and the second point is this. Magnify the consequences. There's going to be consequences to the mistake. I don't know. For some, it's worse than others. For others, it's, they can work through it. Magnify that. Years ago, when on the school side, I did, a, I did a message on me having an affair with a blonde. And the process that I had to go through as a result of that within the people that I know and love the most. Beginning with my wife. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine for all that she's done with me, for me, to me in these 44 years that I would tell her I was in the arms or in the bed of another woman. I can't, I can't imagine that. My kids, my grandkids, you, but most importantly, God, who's always ready to make a way of escape when I feel like the weight is too heavy. Exaggerate. In the book of Proverbs, not going to read it, Proverbs tells us that, uh, chapter 7, it says that you're going to lose everything you work for should you do this. The last and final thing that I would say to you is maintain proper relationships. I'm going to skip the verse on that, but maintain proper relationships. Get rid of the bad relationships that you have and nurture the good relationships. Pastor, I don't have any friends. Great. Then my answer to that dilemma would be you need to get in a group. You need to get in a life group. You need to get in a group. Get in a group. Get in a group. That's one of the reasons why we have life groups. So that we can build relationships. That we can have men to men, women to women, godly men, people who we can share with what's going on in our lives. And to be able to get through it to the other side. In James chapter 5 verse 16, James says these words. He says, confess your sins. Not to God. Look at it. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for one another so that you might be healed. Get in a group where there's other men who are going through what you're going through. Sir, if you're living with a secret, ma'am, if you're living with a secret right now, you're heading down the road of destruction. You need to tie into another man, sir, another woman, ma'am, in order to be able to confess what's going on and let them pray for you. And the Bible says you will be healed. So I close with this. From this day forward, from this day forward, no more secrets. From this day forward, now live a life of purity. Do everything you can to continue to be pure. And number three, the only affair that I am going to have is with my wife or with your husband, you would say. Stand with me to your feet if you would, please. If I could have our intercessors come on down. We're going to close with prayer. We're going to close with a final song. If you have any need whatsoever, a health issue, financial need, if there's something going on in your own life, your walk with God, whatever it is that you want, we have people who are here would be willing to pray with you. So I encourage you to come on down and be a part of that. We're going to sing one last song, and I'm going to leave you out of here. Let's go ahead and do that.